Hello, and welcome to the Genesis Church Podcast. We are so excited that you joined us today. Check out a replay of this past Sunday's message titled Summer in the Miners, Week One. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by this word from our lead pastor, Scott Hunter. So guys in the minors are always trying to make it to the big leagues. They get drafted and they get recruited and some of them get caught up quickly, yet others will work their tails off in the minors for seven to eight years just to step on that grass of a major league baseball stadium. Well, our minors today, they're getting called up, okay? So uh, our prophets, they have something powerful to say. Now, their books are called minor prophets because they're just comparatively shorter books than the other prophetic books in the Bible. That's it, ready? So their messages, they're not minor. They're just as important as any other prophet. When he said anything, she said anything, they matter equally. So in the summer series, we're going to find this minor prophet. And I want you to find your minor prophet who has something important to tell you. And I believe the one today is going to speak to this entire congregation. What minor prophet story is going to hit it out of the park for you. It's time for some summer in the minors. I love baseball. If you walk into my office, there are bats encased by Pete Rose, the legend who should be in the Hall of Fame, not going to get on the soapbox. Signed baseball by the most amazing Hall of Famer, Johnny Bench. Like Joey Vavato, bobbleheads, we got it all, right? But this dude, Ellie De La Cruz, you just heard a story. I've been watching him in the minors because as the hype began to grow about this young man, I started tuning in. So if you don't know, uh, I'm a crazy super fan. So the MLB app, I watch every game at night if I can. If not, it's on my phone when I travel and I'm just listening to it, whether I'm doing work or whatever. I don't watch TV unless it's baseball. Sorry to my wife and my children. I drive them absolutely insane, but now they're crossing over to the dark side. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> because when you get the MLB app, you can watch all the minor league games as well now. It's so crazy. So I've been watching LA Daily Cruise. So Cincinnati has a low A team called the Tortugas, right? They are the Turtles in Florida. Then you got the high A, those are the Dragons that are in Dayton, Ohio. Then you got double A, which is the Chattanooga Lookouts. That's where I went to college, Chattanooga, baby, right? And then if you make it to AAA in the Reds um, Farm League, it's the Louisville Bats, not Louisville, 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 Kentucky. And then you're just waiting. It's like almost this moment where you know you're going to get caught up to the majors, and Ellie did last night. He was on, no, not last night. He didn't get caught up. He'd been caught up for like two months, and like the stadium attendance has exploded. But last night, he was on first base, steals the second. The pitcher misses the, uh, the throw, right? He's mad. So as he's pouting on the mound, Ellie decides he's going to take off, and he's going to steal to third. And he does. And then the pitcher is like, he goes like this. Ellie steals home. I've never seen anybody do this in 45 years. And he was safe. The man is not human right? But some of these players, they work and they sweat and they like sacrifice time away from their families and they're traveling the United States in this, this farm league team and they never make it. 
and they look back and they're looking at their life and they're saying, why am I not where I feel like I should be? Just like in the minors, in many stages of our life, we wake up with this real unsettling, sinking kind of feeling, why am I not where I want to be? You know, some of us say, by this point in my life, you know, I just expected more, like a better job, a job at all, not to be living in a post-pandemic, upside-down, messy world. You know, the typical stuff, right? Or maybe you thought, by this time, or this age, or this phase, I just wanted something better. I just wanted something different. And I'm kind of surprised where I'm at right now. Now, you don't have to raise your hand to attest to any of this, but like, I cannot be the only person who's experienced this. Like, it can happen at any stage of life. You don't have to be young, right? And you don't have to wait till you're older. Like, you can have been voted the most likely to take over the world in high school, but yet you look at your life and you're in the middle of college and you're like, why don't I know what I should do with my life, right? I don't have a clue. How am I going to take over anything? You know, maybe at this point, you thought you'd be married and you're 30-something and you're not even dating. Or you are married and you signed up for the long haul, right? And you thought kids would somehow void, fix this void, right? Fill this void of a meh kind of marriage. But it didn't. And you feel alone. You feel busy. And you feel broke. Because that's what kids do to you, right? <laughs> Got an amen over there, right? <laughs> Listen, maybe you just wanted this, this sense of inner peace by now, right? And so you found a really, really religious church. And you did a bunch of religion but life change did not happen. And you thought, I really thought by this point, I would be a better me, or there would be something different about me. This quite honestly is this mood of what is happening during one of these minor prophet books, one of these stories about Haggai. Everybody say Haggai. Haggai is the guy we're talking about today. And the people at the time were saying this, and I really, really thought we'd be in much better shape than we are right now. So before we dive into the prophet Haggai's story, let me give you some of the backstory of where they're at in time, and let's go to the reign of King Solomon. So I'm going to give you the Scots Notes quick overview, right? So during the fourth year of King Solomon's reign, okay, so King Solomon, he started his own construction company, and he began the construction on the most magnificent temple built for God. It's what King David wanted to do, and his son got to live out. Now, this temple was more glorious than you could ever imagine. When you read the details in the Bible, you're like, really? I got to listen to all this? Because it's explaining what kind of splendor that the king of all should be entitled to. And so we kind of talked about this a little bit last week. Remember how people traveled all over the world sorry, I cannot talk today, all over the world to get to this temple and to worship their God because this place was where the Spirit of God took up residency on the earth and he hovered in the Holy of Holies and it was, it was the place to go and meet God. But this temple was completely impressive, built for Jehovah God of heaven and earth. But after King Solomon died, guess what? People's hearts, again, turned away from God. They just got distracted, as often people like us do, Right? And they started worshiping idols. So then God allowed this series of events, right, to pull the people back, to get their hearts back to himself. So let me give it to you real briefly. You still following me? This stuff is all very important, okay? Because it leads to the need for a Messiah. 
When you read the Old Testament, you need to be reading, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. And what's happening is this temple, as Jesus came to earth, the spirit of God, he rose again from the dead and that temple took up residency in us, making our hearts the place where God dwells. We are the temples. That's what we spoke about last week. If you missed it, you need to go watch it. It was awesome. All right, I'm just saying, I'm gonna pat myself on the back for that message because I was like, Lord, this is fantastic. You should talk to me like this all the time. All right, in 587 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar, everybody can go ahead and boo because he's a bad dude, boo. All right, ready? So his army crushed the southern kingdom of Judah, which is the bottom half of Israel. The northern half was called Israel, the bottom half was called Judah, right? So he destroyed where the temple was at. And he completely destroyed, utterly decimated the holy temple. So not only is this humiliating to God's people, but then he just destroyed the whole, the whole city with it, right? And so where God's place, where he manifested, where he showed up, where his presence resided, boom, wiped out. And so what happens in that moment that God's people, their identity is wrapped up in this kind of stuff, and then it's just stripped away. The spiritual identity of the Jewish people, they feel devastated, completely like they, they've lost everything. So then the Jews get dragged out to Babylon in captivity for decades. Specifically, watch this, for 50 years. Ironic about how the temple is destroyed. Jesus said, I am the temple and you will destroy it, but I will come back in three days. Guess what happened 50 days after Jesus rose from the grave? 50 days later was Pentecost, where the temple took up residency in us. Woo! Just got shoo. I'm just saying God's interested in details, okay? Don't tell me that God doesn't write an amazing, perfect story. So go back to Haggai, okay? I'm done with that, right? Now listen, all these people, they go into captivity. What does captivity look like? Let me give you some context. The captured Jews, they're captured. They can't do what they used to do. Their conquerors would not let them worship the way that they wanted, which is intrinsic to who they are. So it messes with their brain. They couldn't go where they wanted. So the Jews live completely in bondage for 50 years. For many of them, their children, they just grew up in captivity. That's all they ever knew. And that's what's going on. So I want you to put yourself in their shoes and I want you to imagine like this literally is the worst nightmare and I can't wake up from it. This, this unwakeable hellish dream, it's not going to end. And that's where your mentality is because if you are a Jew, you have no idea what is next. But then, can you imagine relief and good news? 538 BC, about 50,000 Jews allowed to go back to Jerusalem. Remember the story of Nehemiah? You need to be reading your Bibles because guess what? <gasps> All of it comes together. Boom. Finally, after five decades, they got to go back, build their homes, build their home of their God. The Jewish people went back and they started to rebuild the temple. They built the foundation. They built the altar. Then the Samaritans came in and opposed their work and suddenly they're like, oh, snap, this just got hard right? This is too difficult. So it must be time to stop, right? Because it's not easy for us to do. So we should just quit. And that's what the Jews did for 14 years. They get released back to go build the temple of God. And for 14 years, the Jewish people did not work on the temple when they came home because 
somebody hurt their feelings. Oof. For five decades, though, that's all they thought about. It got difficult, and 14 years later, they just put the project on hold. Let's put that on pause, right? And instead of working on God's house, guess what they did? They started working on their own homes, building their houses very, very nicely, right? But yet they forgot about God's house. So what did God do? I love it. He spent his time thinking, oh, I'm gonna send myself a, a motivational prophet to speak the word into their life to all these quitters, right? So he raises up Haggai, this prophet of God, to go back and get them to start rebuilding the temple for the Lord Almighty. Now we're gonna dive into verse two of Haggai chapter one, and it actually starts like with this sentence that's really kind of funny. So if you're a Bible nerd, it's funny to me, it might not be to you, but here we go. Ready? So this is what the Lord Almighty said. These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Here's the humor. Now I find this funny, right? Because almost everywhere else in the Old Testament, God says, my people, my people. These are my people, right? And in this case, he does what my wife does to me when my kids do something bad. Do you believe what your children did, right? Do you know what your kids did? So when they do something bad, they're not her kids, they're my kids. But God says, these people, your kids, right? These people are saying the time is not now to build my temple. The time is not now. Now, why did they think it wasn't time? Because they received opposition. They got pushback, right? The Samaritans were opposing them. So what's so funny is so often whenever we receive opposition, we think, well, this must not be God's will. It just got hard. This is difficult. You got to understand that the closer you get to doing something that matters to the heart of God, the more likely that you are going to face opposition. The enemy does not want you to do the will of God. Wake up, people. Open up your eyes and see that you're stepping into the will of God and you're working in the will of God and nothing will separate you from his power and his love and his grace, but you have got to keep working. Shut the enemy down by doing some work. Let me say this, with God's help, yeah, you can clap to that, that's good stuff. Listen, you have to choose to do the difficult right over the easy wrong thing. That's hard to chew on, isn't it, right? Does not go very well with your muffins and coffee from the cafe. We're launching this outreach movement. Sister Rita, I just called you Sister Rita. Rita! It's the church academy. Just get over it. It'll be all right. Rita is leading this charge. Some of you have been called up, and some of you have checked that box when I sent out those cards that you're going to lead, that you're going to join the team. Guess what? We're, we're getting ready to get in, in touch with you. Don't think that we have forgotten about you. But I'm telling you, you are about to be something huge as we minister to the community and the city and the entire world. Amen. Now, do you think jumping into this ministry is going to be a cakewalk? Because if you do, you're wrong. <laughs> Ministry is hard, right? Why? Because you've chosen the right path. And every single time, you better be suiting up with the armor of God because ministry, or even just choosing the right thing over the wrong thing, right? Righteous acts, right living, holiness, man. That process, sanctification, being more like Christ every day, takes more than a 24-hour period but we live in our iPhone instant, instant, instant culture. But we have got to learn this lesson of 
I'm in it for the long haul, okay? I will do whatever, I'm playing the long game over and over and over self. Just tell yourself this, listen, God, with your help, empower me to choose the difficult right thing over the easy wrong thing. And with God's help, you can. You can choose the difficult right thing over the wrong easy thing every single time. Have you ever noticed that life is so hard sometimes and it's just so easy to quit and give up? You're like, yeah, I started that, but I don't want to finish it, right? So it's easy to not make a difference. Did you hear me? It's really easy to not do anything for the kingdom of God. But as followers of Jesus, right, we have to live out our faith. Faith without works is dead. It's not all about works, but I'm telling you, if you were gonna live out your faith, faith implores you, empowers you, and sends you with the anointing of God all over you to go and to do something to change this world. And it is always, always, always going to be easier to quit than it is to do the right thing. And this is what our prophet in the minors is getting raised up to the big leagues right now to empower the people to do. He essentially motivates them and tells them, guess what? Uh, you're wrong. The time is now. Everybody say now. Let's read these verses three through five. This is what God said. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. So God is speaking through Haggai, the mouthpiece of the Lord. He says, it is a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin. Like, do you get that? Is it really the time for that? He says, now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Give careful thought to your ways. Meaning, think about how how you living, right? Is it really time to be building these nice high-end houses for yourself when my house is a garbage heap? This is why I set you free so you could come back and you, you putting in a, a bidet and a, a fire pit, right? At this point, the people are putting their own comfort ahead of God's house and God's priority. He says, give careful thought to your ways. So I've just raised this question for you. Have you given careful thought to this? What unfinished assignment from God do you have? And ask yourself, am I putting my own comfort above his calling? Are you trying to make a name for yourself more than you are a name for Jesus, a name for making a difference? Are you doing a job and not doing a job to work for the kingdom? Like I can't get people to volunteer and and students and kids y'all like one time a month, one hour out of your entire month. That's sad. And I know there's a lot of you that could serve one time a month. Why? Because it's not about cutting or pasting or hugging or praying with a kid right now. Like it's about building a generation that does not know him. The generation we have right now are called the nuns, N-O-N-E-S. Not nuns with a habit, nuns, meaning none of them have faith. The generation before, only 15% are believers. Is that what we want to raise? I'm not okay with that. I'm not okay with our babies not knowing Jesus. Are you? But are we putting our house instead, like 
as the priority of everything instead of, of his house, his life, his desires, or our, just my life, my desires, over doing something for God that he's called you to do. Maybe that you started and you stopped. Are you consumed with yourself instead of being consumed with God and showing his love, his kindness, his grace, his compassion to other people? So God says, just, just give careful thought to your ways. Just pause today what you're doing and just stop and think. God wants you, God wants me to choose the difficult right thing over the easy wrong. Now, some of you right now, there's something in your life where you know that you're supposed to do it. Haggai is calling all of us out today just to wake us up. His motivational speech is not just for the Jews. <laughs> it's for you. The time is now. Now, I want to show you some of these verses that somewhat seem haunting, like because it is difficult to imagine that this was written 500 years before Jesus showed up on the scene, and guess what? Humanity has not changed that much. This is what God says, and I guarantee you there are many of us who will say right now, I feel exactly like this. Look at verse six. You planted much, but you harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. I don't, I don't know if that strikes you like it strikes me, but it hits me. Let me give you a little bit more modern translation that might make more sense to you. You're working your tail off, but you still don't feel like you have anything. You're pouring your life into some career and it just feels empty and hollow. You have more than you have ever had before, yet you still feel unsatisfied. You entertain yourself. You go to games, you go to movies, you eat out all the time, even though the prices have doubled since this last administration jacked up the economy. Guess what? And we're all still longing for more. Dr. Phil might look at you and say, now how's that working out for you, right? Give careful thoughts to your ways. Think about it. Am I putting my house? Am I putting my life? Am I putting my will ahead of God's house, ahead of God's call on my life? Is there some unfinished business that you need to attend to? God led you to do something and you did not do it. But hold on, verse seven and eight, gonna get some some relief factor here, right? It's about to get really, really cool. God is so loving, God is so good. And he says this, he breaks it down to get us back to doing what we're supposed to do. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up to the mountain, bring down the timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. Let me say this to you again, in case you miss out on this. Haggai gives us the shortest speech of his life. He says, this is what God says to do. Go up to the mountain, bring down the timber, build my house. One, two, three. Now, wait a minute. Go up to the mountain. Dang, that's really a high mountain. That's kind of hard. That's, have you seen that mountain, God? Woo! Choose the difficult right thing instead of the easy wrong. Bring down the timber. Oh, no, that's requiring some effort, dude. I mean, that's some sweat equity. About to get swole up in here for Jesus. Listen, yeah, do the right thing. It might be hard. It might take some work. So what? So does everything else in life. 
do the easy thing. Nope, do the right thing. Come down and build the temple step by step. I love it. God says, here's a one, here's a two, here's a three. But guess what? God says, here it is. And we say, where's four, five, and six, God? I need some details. But we say, well, who's going to pay for this new outreach ministry, Scott? How's all of it going to happen, Lord? What's actually going to go on if you can't give me a 12-point plan, Jesus? I can't get involved with what they're doing. And who's actually going to be involved? Am I going to like the leaders? Am I going to be able to listen to them? Am I going to get a tax write-off for this, Lord? Right? I need the details, God. I need them. And you know what? How much time is it going to take? Because I got two jobs, and I got 12 kids. Like, literally, some of y'all in here got like 12 kids. I'm so overly impressed. I can't handle my two. Listen. We say, I need details, God. I just can't see if this is your will when you're telling me I've got to step out in faith. Is that not a little backwards of what everything in Scripture says, right? Lord, am I going to get my name on that temple? Or am I at least going to get a little brick? Because I need some credit. No, 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 no. And we're like, God, where are steps four, five, six, seven, and eight? Where are they at? And then God says to the prophet Haggai, don't worry about steps four, five, and six. Just do one, two, and three. Your pastor says to you today, would you please stop worrying like me about four, five, and six? I'm preaching to myself. I'm no different than you are. Four, five, and six is like, oh, I need it, I need it, I need it. But God is more than able. He will work out his plan. He will work out the resources. He will work out the finances. All I have to do is start the work. I got to stay in his word. Why? Because then it comes back to me and I hear it because the spirit of God raises up in me and I begin to hear his promises and they become clearer and clearer. Why? Because Psalm 119.105 says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. See how there's light here and darkness here? If this word of his is a lamp unto my feet, he might show me steps one, two, and three. But as I turn, four, five, and six are in the dark. Why? Because it gives you a little at a time. Because he expects you to step out in faith. And you're like, oh, wait a minute. And then this gets lit up. And you're like, there's steps four, five, and six. Why? Guess what? because you did one, two, and three. You see, you have to do what God showed you first before he reveals the more to you. Sometimes we are so anal retentive and we are so type A, like we have to have the details. I'm totally that person. But God says to me, Scotty, you can't handle the details. If I showed you four, five, and six, it would scare you to death. Why? Because then you had to think, mm, you got to do that in your own strength. No, 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 no. This battle belongs to the Lord. What the plans I have for you declares the Lord are plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. What makes you think I do not have your back because I am fighting for you, not against you. And if I give you something and I call you to do something, guess what? I've already got it worked out. Why? Because the results are not on me. You know what's on me? Obedience. So I go to the mountain. I bring down the timber. 
I build the house. You're like, okay, well, I just, I want to get in better shape, but I don't know where to start. Start eating healthy. Get eight hours of sleep or get at least six or seven, right? Stop watching Netflix till three in the morning. Start exercising, one, two, three. I want to get out of debt, but I don't know where to start. Get some help from somebody who knows what they're doing. Spend less than you earn. Start paying down your debt. My marriage really isn't good. I'm not quite sure what to do. What do I do about it? Humble yourself. It's not all the other person's fault. Apologize for what you have done wrong. And do what you are needing to do. Would you please date your spouse? Go back to what you did at the first. It's what Jesus says to the church in Revelation. You have lost your love for me. So go back to doing what you did at first. Romance the daylights out of her, gentlemen. What do we do? You go to the mountain, you bring down the timber, you build the house. It's just simple. It's step by step. You got to start somewhere, right? And I love in the book of Nehemiah, he says, don't despise the small beginnings. The small beginnings are what's creating the big thing at the end. It's step by step. You see, it means like this. You've got to walk in the spirit as I am commanded to follow Christ. I have to stay by his side. Why? Because he is the lamp unto my feet. That word of God, he is the word. He's the word made flesh. And so I stay by him. I stay in the word. I read the word of God. And I don't get to know all the details. Even though I want God to show me everything. But God is not going to show me four, five, and six until I take one, two, and three steps. So maybe you did one, two, and three, and you quit there. That means you have an unfinished assignment. What do I do? The way to get started is to quit talking and to start doing. I know that's a mind-blowing statement, but it is, it's what some of us need to hear today. Stop thinking about it and just do it. Go up to the mountain today. Do something today. Do the next thing that God has shown you to do and do it. See what's awesome? Again, you are not responsible for the outcome. The outcome is always God's responsibility. What we do is we work as if it depends on us, but knowing that it depends on God, knowing that obedience is our part, that is our responsibility. Outcome God, obedience mine. Outcome God, obedience yours. So that's the thing that you've got to, to do today. And I want you to think, what is it that I'm gonna lace up my hiking boots today and get out of this church and go and do after I watch baptisms and after I do the picnic with everyone? Y'all need to come back and hang out. It's church time, it's fun time, it's awesome. But let me call it what it is. We all got something like this. You know, it might be something like even just a sin that is plaguing you and you just keep tripping up and living in it and you're keeping it a secret. Guess what? It's easy to keep a secret. But it is difficult to write, to do the right move and to confess to somebody and ask for help. Maybe you're... Ha- <laughs> Maybe you're in a fake happy marriage right now. You got everybody fooled. Because it's, it's difficult to say, you know what? We need some help. We need some counseling. Maybe God prompted you at some point to serve in this church. Because every person that is attending this church, if you're a part of this church, you should be serving in some capacity. After you've plugged in, man, just do it. Everybody needs to be serving. That's part of what your calling is, to live it out in the local church. We are the body of Christ. And so we should all be making a difference. But you're like, is that you, God? Or is that Satan tempting me to serve an elementary kid's church? (laughs) Get behind me, Satan. Don't you tell me to make a difference for God. 
Of course that's God. Come on. So what are you doing? You're going to take out your connect card or you're watching it online. You're going to go get your digital connect card. It's on genesischurch.tv or gctv.tv. You can figure that out. info. Thank you. See, you go to my church. I love you. That's my brain right there. Second row. Thank you. Listen, what are you going to do? You take it out. You check off kids church or you check off student. And guess what? You stop waiting for 14 years. Congratulations. Mm. and you decide you're going to serve. Don't tell me you can't do it. There's a man with a bazillion children working in the cafe today. Has his own kids of like a mighty army and adopted others. And he's the busiest person I know. <laughs> and he's serving you coffee. Choose the difficult right thing, please. Would you please stop making excuses and get your student to youth group on Tuesday nights at 6.30 p.m. Your kids, your teens, they need friends. They need valuable lessons. They need to hear the word of God on their level to combat this dark and lying world. And they are about to re-enter school. Guess what? Walmart put out the school supplies. So you need to be thinking forward, right? Prep your kids. Whatever is in your life, Haggai came to tell you, guess what? The time is now. He lived up to his minor prophet calling it. I'm motivated. I hope you're motivated. Haggai says to you, the time is now. So whenever God gives you an assignment, what do you got, what do you got to do? You got to choose to be obedient. So we're going to today, we're going to choose the difficult right thing over the easy wrong. Why? Because this prophet is 100% right. The time is now. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for those messages that seem just to kick our tail. Lord, we just stop in this moment, Lord. And we just repent, God, of, of quitting on you. God, I just ask you to just awaken the dream of every single person in this place. Lord, let there be a fresh new anointing, a new calling, Lord. That hits them, Lord, like a ton of bricks. Bricks without their name on it, Lord. (laughs) Bricks that shout your fame, Lord, as we rebuild what we stop doing. Spirit of God, call us to go up the mountain, bring down the timber and build your house. Listen, I know that I can't lay hands on every one of you this morning, but if there's a call on your life, if you know that there's an assignment on you, I just want you to stand where you're at. If you know that you have got something to do for God on this earth, You know what, what I'm saying? If you're a believer, that should be every single one of you. Get to your feet. You're all called. You're all called. You all have something specific that only you can do. That God has created you for a plan and for a purpose. 
Don't you dare think that God doesn't see you as worthy. If God can take murderers and liars and tax collectors and thieves and flip their lives upside down and Christian killers and turn them into the leaders of his movement, why don't you think he can use you? Get up. The time is now. Lord, I just pray right now for every bold believer in this room that is standing, that is taking you seriously, that is taking a hold of their call. Pour out your spirit upon them. Spirit of God, to dunk them in with your power. Lord, I pray for it to just feel like a wave that hits them right now. Power of God, consume them. Anoint them. Fill them up till they're overflowing, Lord, so that they will go into this world and do what you've called them to do. Now, Lord, for every single person that is seated, that is doubting that they are worthy, that is doubting that they have a call, Lord, I pray that you begin to reveal to them, Lord, what it is that you want to do in their life. What it is, God, that you see in them. Remind them, God, that you love them. And that you created them, Lord, so that you could love them and be loved back by them. That's all. So, Lord, I pray. Remind us, Lord, that our whole calling, Lord, is to know you and to make you know, to love you and to love others. So in this moment, Lord, expand, Lord, the vision we have. Let us not forget, God, who we are and whose we are and why we are here. Jesus, I thank you for what you're doing in the still call moment, that you're calling people into ministry, that you're raising up missionaries, God, that you're anointing police officers. God, that you are touching and changing the lives of those who thought they could not be used by you, Lord, and you are calling them righteous in this moment, Lord, as they surrender their lives to you. Listen, if you don't know Jesus, all you say is, Jesus, I need you right now in my life. Forgive me, clean me up. I believe you died and rose again. And from this moment on, I choose you as my savior and I will live for you for the rest of my life. You pray that in your own words and I'm telling you, the immediate moment, the instant that you do that, the Spirit of God takes up residency in you and you become the temple of God. And guess what? You have a call now on your life, a purpose and a reason why you are here to go and to live out. You've now stepped into your destiny that God designed before you ever even entered this world. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for meeting us here today. We love you. We give you all the glory for the work that you're doing. And we praise you, Lord, for the work that is ahead. Lord, we understand that the time is now and we will not choose to quit, tap out, or leave you behind. But Lord, today we give you our all. We give you our very best. We give you our now and we give you our future. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody say, 
Thank you for joining us here at the Genesis Church Podcast. Remember, you can check us out every week for our Sunday experience at 10 a.m. on all social media platforms. You can also join us in person here at 4070 Mission Road right here in Tallahassee. All right, have a great day.